This is the Horse Radio Network. Hey, you're listening to Adulting with Horses, the best place to be if you can't be at the barn. We are your co-hosts and equine authors, Heather Wallace and Natalie Keller-Reinert. As crazy horse girls, we don't take ourselves too seriously in the saddle or out. We celebrate the things that make us different. Join us as we talk about horses and pop culture and get a little weird in a fun way. Thank you for being a little weird with us. Hey, it's Natalie, and we are adulting with horses again. I have Heather with me today, and hey. we have an awesome <laughs> guest along with Heather and myself <laughs> co-hosting. Um, we have a great author named Will Grant, who is a contributor to Outside Magazine, among other things, and he just wrote the coolest book that is like in this weird fixation that I have with historical trails that I'm never going to ride because it's scary. So he actually did um, the full Pony Express trail with two horses. And I can't wait to share their names with you, Badger and Chicken Fry. Oh, my God. And amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, amongst other things, um, Will has done some absolutely insane things on horseback. And uh, his book is coming out this summer. It's called The Last Ride of the Pony Express, My 2,000-Mile Horseback Journey into the Old West. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is getting out of your comfort zone with horses because um, Will certainly did that. And I know Heather and I have done some pretty insane horsey things, too. So um, welcome, yeah. Will. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm uh, thank you for having me on. Well, we're always really appreciative of people who, um, you know, do things that are scary because I know for me, I don't like to do that. So I like really I'm impressed by people who do. <laughs> I mean, there's well, I a thought lot that you of... and Will might have something in common. <laughs> Pardon me. Well, I was I'm sorry. Uh, I said I think that Heather and Will might have a lot in common because not only have you been to some of similar insane places, um, but also Heather's super interested in endurance riding, which um, is so far out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't even be able to consider it. But you've kind of done like ultimate endurance <laughs> on your head. <laughs> yeah, like at the um, end of the day, Will, I think it's kind of crazy. You know, Mongolia, you might ride out there in the wild, but riding across the Pony Express Trail, you kind of run into some real life situations. Yeah, I mean, the comfort zone was left behind from day one, you know, and Mongolia is totally different because it's like the open step. And from St. Joseph, Missouri, where I started is like middle America. And it's not very good country to ride a horse in, <laughs> you know, it's, there's a lot of highways and a lot of truckers out there. That's right. And like navigating, the urban infrastructure on horseback is not fun, but doing it with a pack horse mm -mm. is particularly difficult because you really can't control that pack horse. If it wants to jerk you out of the saddle and run off, basically it probably can. And so the role of the pack horse 
becomes a lot more significant than I anticipated. And it becomes a very significant when you're dealing with like semi trucks running down a foggy highway <laughs> at 70 miles an hour. I mean, that was scary. And I put a uh, orange triangle like you see on the back of tractors. At first, I was wearing it yeah. on my back. But then I realized that people couldn't really probably see me because of the pack saddle. And so I put it on the back of the pack horse. Oh. Like on <laughs> well, his tail? Like on the packs. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, up Hazard. on the packs. Oh, I was thinking of, you know, it's sort of like the tail ribbon conversation we've had, Heather, where, you know, bring back the tail ribbon in the show ring. And yeah. so we could just put caution triangles on the backs of our horses instead of ribbons. And that would work. Yeah. But like, so Will was, you know, Will, I'm very familiar with St. Joe, Missouri. Um, uh -huh. My family is from northeastern Kansas. And actually, my dad's hometown is next to the Pony Express station there in Washington County. Um, so we go there all the time. But the semis on that road, when they come at you, the you, your whole car buffets. So I can't even imagine what that was like on horseback. Yeah. It was, it was the worst in the rain because not only are they going fast, but there's like this cloud oh. of water vapor behind them. And really, I tried to pick highways that had a wide shoulder and I could look at it on the satellite images and I was not never afraid to detour if it looked like I could find safer travel you know I crossed over interstate highways and under interstates but I never was on the side of the interstate but some of those highways are just as dangerous you know so yeah yeah I drove across there a couple of years ago and like through Marysville and stuff like that in Kansas yes. and what the speed limits out there are insane, insane. and they're two lane roads <laughs> so this is hard place was there ever to a moment a where sorry yeah. go ahead I would no. not I would not no. <laughs> I'm not gonna talk I love it when there's three people because we all have so much to say <laughs> was there ever a time when when you were just like no I have gone too far. I have made a mistake. Not really. You know, I I really said we are going to California. I mean, we are making this happen. And I, I made a deliberate effort to maintain my morale and my focus. And it actually worked. You know, it was like almost like meditative in the evenings to be to be sitting there telling myself you are going to California and and I was determined mm -hmm. to and um, I had three horses here at home in Santa Fe that I could have delivered to me if one stepped on a nail or whatever else you know so I never yeah. really wanted so a to slight turn difference back. between Mongolia yeah yeah but one similarity with Mongolia could be that um, there were horses available to me along the Pony Express Trail. I'd meet horsey people or a ranch where they'd have 15 or 20 horses and they'd say, if you run into trouble, call me and I'll bring you one and I'll keep your horse here mm -hmm. as long as you need it. 
And in Mongolia, you can find horses. I hear like, that a lot about long riding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so I know. Long riding. Yeah. Go ahead. Like you're saying, Heather, like any other game, I guess, where you have to boost your confidence constantly. <laughs> it's not just your own mental game, but it's your support network, right? And I guess as horsey people, you have one that's kind of built in, whether you're in Kansas or Mongolia. <laughs> totally totally hospitality from people along the way was amazing and i think the horses had a lot to do with it if i was just hiking through i don't think people would have been quite as open armed but since i had chicken fry and badger people cared mm -hmm. Did you ever get a big group of people kind of coming out and saying hello and just cheering you on and ask if you needed anything? Because I, I think that that's something I would do if I saw somebody riding or heard that they were coming through. I'd be the first out there to be like, hey, how's it going? What do you need? I did have some of that. And people would know, like my rep, like if a guy is coming through with two horses, everybody's going to know it. You know, even in Mongolia if someone's traveling a long distance by horseback, the word travels ahead of the rider. And so people would come out and, and like have a, you know, a bag of cookies or like beef jerky, or they would ask if I needed anything grain for the horses a lot of times. So people met me, but never a big crowd. And I pretty much tried to keep a low profile as I, went from town to town. Well, and in Mongolia, I mean, I don't know if, I'm sure this was your experience too. Sometimes we'd have riders coming up and just inviting us to their homes, you know, no no need to speak the language. They'd kind of just kind of wave you over. Um, and sometimes you wanted to stop and sometimes you didn't and you felt quite rude <laughs> not doing it. Stopping is always a good idea in those cases so what was the pace that you set for for riding like the pony express trail i mean at the mongol derby i know it's a race to the finish line for your long ride what were you mostly walking 100 percent always walking because you really can't trot a pack horse for very long without of trouble without the packs loosening and the saddle is it's very difficult on a pack horse to trot it so i walked always unless the horses were like fired up because of recreational shooters in utah and they were like doing the pee off you know they were like trotting in place <laughs> this was very bad situation yeah. but um and then i the trotted. jiggity jog <laughs> Yeah, not fun. And then in Kansas, to get ahead of storms, I ended up having to hurry a little bit. But I always walked. What time of year were you in Kansas? May 5th through May 6th, May 16th. Okay, so a little ahead of tornado season. Um, yeah, but not by too much because one night in Nebraska, 13 yeah. tornadoes touched down in the state while I was there. Wow. That scene 
freaked me out when I was reading that. I'm a big like storm buff. I want to go on a storm chasing vacation with like experts, but I do not want to run into that whilst riding horseback across the countryside, not by day, not by night. No, I've been in it in a car. A horse? No. Mm-mm. No, no. That's always so, the worst part for me. Like I love storms, but I hate that I have to worry about horses in them. It's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I, I made a really diligent effort to never be caught in a storm by paying close attention to the weather religiously. Oh, yeah. You and me with our weather apps, we get along just <laughs> fine. I'd be like... Did you check this app? Because this app <laughs> it looks <Yeah>. freaky deaky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Natalie is basically today. a amateur meteorologist. So I am next fully time, an amateur meteorologist. Yeah, <laughs> next time you need to bring her along with you as part of your planning team. The, oh my god, I can get a be... van with all the monitors. <laughs> that would be very yeah. useful. You know, like, I'm a photographer. I, I, I Let's think pick we a have trail. a team. <laughs> We have a team. <laughs> I can do photos and, vi- and videos for social. I'm just saying. Oh, man. Go. Look at that. A beautiful partnership was born. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, anything for me to avoid being on horseback for that amount of time. I love the idea of, of riding endurance, but long riding is a totally different vibe. Yeah. I don't know. The walking vibe kind of appeals to me. I do like yeah. that, too. Yeah. I don't I do. know about, like, the camping vibe. but to be fair i have zero experience camping (laughs) i camped one time it was in stock island which is the island across from key west and uh it stormed of course that night and flooded our tent and um we had to go and hide in the bathrooms and that is my camping experience (laughs) Well, I didn't camp until I went to Mongolia, and then I spent 12 <laughs> days in a gear. And uh, at least I had a gear because, you know, with Mongol Derby, you kind of, some nights you're sleeping out under the stars. Oh my That's God. right. I just assume you'd wake up wet, and I feel like that doesn't appeal to me. Like, do? Yeah. <laughs> Is that some, wrong? No, well, like, some, yeah. some hard mornings for sure, <laughs> you know. Both on the Pony <laughs> Express Trail and in Mongolia. But you just got to be strong. Yeah, the Bugs weather shifts pretty him. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> got to be strong. I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me, to be honest. I know I don't. But but I like to be on the <laughs> sidelines and, and, and part of the team, but not actively the team. Uh, I have a question, Will, because I'm a bit of a planner, and I have no idea how... How much work goes into planning for something like this, the Pony Express Trail? So there was a point. So I began the trail on May 5th. So all through that winter, basically from the first year of the year, I started thinking about it. And I realized that there is no way to plan like 2,000 miles. It's just too far because you don't know what your progress is going to be. So I was like, I'm just going to, the only thing I can do is plan the first like 150 miles, two weeks. And then by then I'll have some kind of rhythm. I knew the general trace of the Pony Express Trail, but as far as where I was going to camp, I was like, this is just way too big of a logistical job that may not even play out. But what I realized is the most important 
part of planning and preparation was my kit, you know, the pack saddle, way to boil water. Like I had to have that very lightweight and absolutely dialed in. And like the routine for when you get to camp, you I would hobble the horses and then set up the electric fence around them immediately because I was so scared of losing them, right? This would be the worst. Yeah, if you lose scenario. your horse, you got nothing. You got nothing. You're going to have to go find help. So I had this routine of I would get to camp. The horses would just have walked 20 miles. So they were hungry. So if I put them on grass, reliably, they would drop their heads immediately. I could tie up the bridle mm. reins to my saddle horn. And then my hobbles were a six feet, six foot length of cotton rope. And I just figurated it around their front legs and then put a quick release knot. And so I would do that to the saddle horse. Then I would do that to the pack horse and then immediately unload the packs and break out the electric fence and set it up around them. And then once I did that, it was like, okay, we're secure. <laughs> it's like tying up the boat for like getting yeah, to the dock. You're probably hoping after 20 miles that they're not going to wander. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they you know, they, actually, I have a question that. Um, well, I just I'm sorry, I wanted to ask you really quickly about eating during the day. Like, did the horses eat during the day? Because I've kind of always wondered, knowing that horses like to be eating almost 24 seven, how that works when you are on a really long ride? Like, do you do you pause and give them grass breaks, hay breaks, grain? What happens? So I didn't carry any grain. You know, I didn't carry any supplemental feed, but I carried treats. I would try to buy a bag of treats and each night give them one treat. But I really didn't stop. Once I would try to ride for eight or nine hours straight and try to leave at like six in the morning, depending on how cold it was. And then I could get to camp by the middle of the afternoon. And so that not only allowed me plenty of time, mm, okay. plenty of time if something went wrong, but also for the horses to eat and then sleep and then eat again and then sleep again. So I really didn't. But one thing I did do, and I learned this in Mongolia, is that when a horse drinks water, because I would water them during the day if possible, when a horse drinks water, it needs to mix that with some like source of salt. For, to aid in hydration. So when you water a horse, you should mm -hmm. let it graze for a few minutes. You should let it, it get some grass to mix in with that water. It can help. That's why like endurance oh, riders, yeah, the endurance riders use electrolyte paste and stuff to help the horse hydrate itself, metabolize the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you bring any electrolyte paste with you as a supplement just in case you got to an area that wasn't too grassy? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I carried a tube of butte. That's it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think every horse rider <laughs> should have that. What about, what did your camping look like? So like at night, what did you do? Were you just kind of sitting under the stars, you know, reading a book? I mean, how did you relax? Did you relax? 
<laughs> he stared at his horses. <laughs> I did. I would stare at my horses. I would set up the electric fence and then I would lean. I would put my saddle blankets each. I had a felt saddle pad and a woven Navajo blanket. We call it on top of that. And I would lay down the felt pads and then lay the blankets over them and lean against my saddles. And then I would make coffee and tea and eat dinner. And I would literally hang out with my horses for the rest of the day. And I would take notes and think about the country I was passing through and the people I had met. And I was totally relaxed. Mm. I always had this like anxiety of, of finding my next campsites and the unending chore of planning, knowing where I was going. But I was totally relaxed and I mm. slept like a baby every night. And I, to sleep with the horses was so nice to wake up in the middle of the night and hear them breathing right next to me, lying down. You know, what a unique window yeah. into being with horses. That, nice. that was one thing in Mongolia it took me a while to get used to was the horses <laughs> grazing outside the gear or outside where I was sleeping and, and, and trusting that they wouldn't trample me in the middle of the yeah. night. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I think that's what I need, actually, because, you know, I had another one of my two-hour sleeps last night, and maybe I should just go plunk myself down in the shed. <laughs> yeah. Get some Although white I noise. Cannot trust, I cannot trust either of those horses not to trample me, so... They don't really want more than you would think. Yeah. I mean, they don't really want to step on anything, much less a human. What you'd have to worry no, about. I think Ben would paw me. <laughs> he might. He might. Or if like a raccoon would dropped out treats. of a tree, yeah. you know, and the horse spooked over oh, the top gosh. of you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we're thinking like horse people. Yeah, the romance is dead. <laughs> I more worry I more worry about my my horse. He's a thoroughbred and has no clue how big he is, so he's always trying to be in my bubble. That's the one that, you know, yeah. if I were to lay down, he'd probably lay down with me and then when he got up I'd be crushed. But yeah. um, <laughs> but but what a way to go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, horses so, in the personal space. Just to be I trust clear. the smaller horses. <laughs> so just to be clear, I slept like right under the electric fence. I didn't sleep in the pen with them because I didn't want to get trampled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a really funny story, not to digress too much, but a couple of years ago we were at an event um, and it was like a blessing of the animals. And one of my friends was a retired police officer. So he had his retired police horse and they set up a little electric fence, you know, temporary corral. And the younger horse heard a, a motorcycle and literally, I've never seen this before, walked straight into the electric fence and just kept walking. Like he was trailing the tape with him. And oh my God. so I've seen it happen. And every time I go to an endurance ride, I'm thinking like, they're going to stay, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's I've heard like, of horses like that. I've never had one, thank God. I had a horse run through an electric fence. I trained horses in North Texas, reining horses, and started colts for, a, for like seven years. And I had a young horse run straight through an electric fence and just keep going one day on her first day there. But so I don't know. <laughs> Her, he said. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was a young, it was normal. a two-year-old filly. <laughs> it was a two-year-old filly that a guy wanted to shoot off of. It's like the most insane job I've ever had. 
but that was fine. Uh, well, it looks like she could take a hit and keep on kicking, you know. She. <laughs> but I'll say she one might thing be the one to do that, it. I'll say one thing is that Chicken Fry and Badger were the right kind of horses to do this. They were like really sensible horses. You know, they they really look where they're going and are very aware of their surroundings. And Badger, that horse is so sensitive, he can be difficult to catch if he's worried. So this is a good horse to cross the country on because he keeps himself out of trouble. So what my is horses your... just ran away from their shed. I have did no they? they? They did. did. <laughs> I'm like, where are they going? We're talking about electric fencing. What's happening? Um, <laughs> so, Will, are, were these were these your horses, or were they horses that you picked just for this event? Yeah, I bought both of these horses specifically to make this ride. I owned two quarter horses at the time. And one was too lazy, and the other one was too young. She was too green. And I bought a Mustang that turned out to be a little too small, but we still I still have him. And then I bought Chicken Fry from a guy in San Angelo, Texas. And I bought Badger from a young woman in eastern New Mexico. And I... And I bought them specifically for the way that they handled these kind of situations. I got to imagine. You had to kind of chase down, if I'm recalling correctly, right? Like he'd had a couple of owners, but they were recommending him to you. Yeah. 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 So you had adventures in planning. (laughs) I did. It was, it took a ton of time. And so, you know, you talk about sleeping well at night. I couldn't eat or sleep for like, three weeks before the trip. I literally was couldn't sleep. And then once I started riding, I was yeah. just, yeah, it was a huge relief to have finally begun. I started eating again and I slept well like from then on. Mm-hmm. That's how I, I roll. It's the anticipation. Right? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. It'll kill you. It's the that what was, if. Yeah. I used to, so my big step out of my comfort zone was when I was 30, I moved to New York City and started galloping horses at Aqueduct. And um, they weren't the the nicest string of horses, but they were, (laughs) it was something I needed to do with my life and I hadn't done it yet. So I went and I did it. And uh, I used to be sick. I mean, I tell you, it was great, but it was horrifying at the same time. Like it was a terrifying experience. But But you did it. Well, because I loved it when I was doing it. But like every morning I would get to the barn and I'd go into the shed row and the assistant trainer would be like, Natalie, you're green. I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel. (laughs) She'd say, get on a horse. And the trainer would be like, what's wrong with her? The trainer was from Trinidad. He was hysterical. He'd be like, what's wrong with her? Get her off. Get her off those horses. And his wife was the assistant. She'd say, no, no, she'll be fine. As soon as she's mounted, she'd throw me up in the saddle, take a breath, just fine. (laughs) I had to get on the horse to feel like I could ride the horse because when I wasn't there, I didn't, it wasn't, it didn't make any sense. Like I lived in Brooklyn, I was writing articles, I was doing this whole other thing. And then at 4.30 in the morning, I was getting up and taking the train to Aqueduct. And so it was like the split in my life was so large that every single day was the first day. 
and the first there were a few horses that like the first time I rode them I got off and I cried because they terrified me yeah <laughs> and hey, I just go into a stall and cry <laughs> sometimes boy we that's need to do really that. good oh, that yeah. you I re- did that I remember yeah those are that's a hard job, you know. Yeah, it's- she talks a good game, but she can ride a horse. I'll tell you. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I can ride a horse, but mentally, I don't know if I want yeah. to ride the horse. <laughs> well, that's that's the way I am too. So when I went to Mongolia the first time, I I I I went twice, and I did the officials race at the end of the event both times, right? And I raced the other officials. So we did like three kilometers at a gallop or whatever. The first time they had to trick me on a horse. They like literally, <laughs> they're like, we're not right racing now. It's going to be fine. And then the next thing I know, they're like launching me on top of a horse. And I have video. I was having a panic attack. And my horse, you know, they they bob their heads. They're used to the flies out there. And I was just like, I got nothing. I got no control. <laughs> we're just going to do our thing. And then I did it. And it was fine. Once we started galloping, I was like, I got into a groove. And then the next year, I was like, let's do this. And it was awesome. But just thinking about riding a a Mongolian horse in Mongolia was literally enough to traumatize me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What if I told you you were going to do it tomorrow? Would you go for it? I would do it again. I would. Oh, yeah. I would do it again. Oh, yeah, you would. Yeah, and I, I 100% want to go back to Mongolia. I, I, It was the biggest thing I did outside my comfort zone up till now. Um, and I regret nothing. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think we all have to kind of step outside of our comfort zone in order to grow. Will maybe just had a little bit more of a, a room to grow than some of us. <laughs> You know, I read, uh, he went I read the long, slow route. <laughs> you know, I remember when I'm, I can't remember her name right now, but when the, the woman who was CEO of Yahoo took it over, it was like mm-hmm. several years ago, like 10 years ago. And I remember reading an article, um, about her and she was quoted saying something like everything I've ever done that's been worthwhile has scared me before I did it. And yeah. I think that's true, you know? Like it's okay to to like do something you're scared of. <laughs> yeah, that's how you grow, right? Yeah. 100%. I mean, yeah. there's got to be some limitations. But so, I don't know. I get this a lot cuz I have a, a timid writers community. Um Oh yeah. And a lot of people always ask me to do public speaking, and and I don't want to, uh, because I'm not a teacher. I can't. T- I'm just living by example about what I do for myself. But one of the thing I tell people is, you can set up a goal for yourself that's a little bit outside your comfort zone, but like have maybe a larger goal to work towards, because you got to take baby steps to get there. If you think about the biggest goal, you might freeze and just not do any of it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's true. So I'll just say one thing about like I, how I was scared, how a lot of the anxiety on Pony Express Trail was that like getting a horse hurt, you know, like some kind of bad accident where I would have to deal with a horse in really bad shape. And I, I finally realized right. that the only way – that I can like get any kind of inner peace here is to just trust myself that I'll be able to handle it when it comes. 
and you know you you just have to trust in yourself Isn't that the that biggest thing that's the biggest thing and if you can convince yourself that you will be able to handle it i think most of us will be able to handle it that's so that's so true i think for because and this is something that i've said a thousand times is that it's not that i don't trust my horse it's that yeah i sometimes don't have enough confidence in myself when i should yeah that's interesting i never trust my horse <laughs> <laughs> no i trust uh, my chicken horse more fry, than I trust myself sometimes both of you i wish you both could meet chicken fry because he is such done a let's good, go <laughs> he is such a sensitive horse you know we taught during the pandemic uh, one of our good friends brought her eight-year-old daughter who didn't know how to ride. She learned to ride on chicken fry. And he was Aww. like uh, the best horse in the world for it. You know, he was so quiet. Like watch, he goes, when he goes down a slope or something, he's so careful with his feet. He lets her like, you know, spin around up there. So... I don't know. It was great to see. You know, he is he's a very smart horse and he's the kind of horse that most of like all of us need, frankly. But anybody who lacks confidence in the saddle, mm -hmm. he can give it to him. Oh, and th those horses are worth so much. They're truly worth their weight in gold. He has a sign on his stall that says not for sale. <laughs> does everybody try to buy him from you they i don't think they uh nobody's asked me i think they know that i love this horse you know like more than almost anything so i don't think anybody would ask but he would be a very easy horse to sell he'd be a very easy horse to sell well also now he's famous he's in a book <laughs> That's right. Maybe there should be Briar models of him. I think that would be cool. That's what I told him to on to Pony Briar Express Trail. I was like, Chicken Fry, when this is over, did you? D Disney's going to be making a movie out of you. There'll be little Briar horses, Chicken Fry and Badger, you know, the adventures of Chicken Fry and Badger. <laughs> hey, that's a great kid's story. That's the perfect oh, yeah title for a kid's series that writes itself man yeah exactly <laughs> on you the pony get express on this. now you've got one book under your belt yes yeah. oh my gosh what i mean yeah i'm just thinking about the number of adventures that you guys had and each <laughs> one could be its own little book what is such a fun idea let's yeah. do it yes let's do it Let, we'll just add that to our long list of projects that we're all going to do together um <laughs> when we all move to i love how we're volunteering we all, like, live with chicken fry and badger and write books together <laughs> heather and i are kind of impulsive uh <laughs> we are well that's how i ended up doing half the things that scare me because I, I just decided i was going to do it if i think about it too much i won't do it it's like mm -hmm. jumping yeah. into the deep end of a pool i don't wade in i just go yeah. Yeah. I need to do that a little more, but yeah, pretty much. It's all, all the adventures have been just not saying no. Yeah. That's what I tell mm. people now. They say, you've done so much. I say, well, I say yes a lot when I shouldn't. <laughs> so <laughs> I stopped doing that, which is good. But at the end of the day, you know, I think saying yes to something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable is definitely a way to help you grow. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm a planner. So 
sometimes that's what helps me. Alternately, I just jump right in. So I guess you get which which Heather are we going to get that day? I don't know. <laughs> but it's interesting that you didn't do too much planning when it came to the Pony Express. But I know a lot of Mongol Derby riders. They have they plan for months to well, go to that. How was that no, for no. you? Did you plan? So there's a difference between preparation and planning because the Mongol Derby, no one knows the course. You can't really until you get there. So you can't really anticipate that, oh, we'll be crossing this mountain range on this day. You can anticipate that it's going to be really hard and that you're going to have to ride like 100 kilometers per day on like little feisty horses but you prepare and that's the same thing with the mongol derby is that you have to know like uh how to use your gps unit you have to make sure you have extra batteries for it you have to make sure you don't lose it you have to make sure you have pills for when you get dysentery you have to make sure you have you know like uh advil that's a big one, <laughs> you know, you, like sleeping yep. pills, like all this <laughs> stuff, you know, and, and then the right insulation and socks and all that. But I did plan for the Mongol Derby. I wanted to win the Mongol Derby. I, I wrote a story about it for Outside Magazine. And when I pitched it, I was like, I'm 100% going to walk away with this race. <laughs> and then we got there and I came in last place because I decided not to hurry because I wanted to go have tea with everybody. And so we just cruised at the back of the pack, right. having the best <laughs> that's time. That's how I run. That, that's that was how I so ride. much nicer than like- Just snacks. The, these endurance riders who were like hell bent on the finish line. And mm. I was like, oh, I think we just slow this down a little bit, you know? <laughs> no, but I love that. Cause that's, for me, riding is enjoying the adventure, right? Like yes. I have a girlfriend who, she and I don't ride together anymore because she is now all about winning. I want to see the, I want to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very competitive in that way. Yeah, And we never, neither of us ever pass up tea time. So. Oh no, I never pass up snacks and tea. No, never. <laughs> no yeah. I don't. Competitive, that kind of goes away, doesn't it? I'm not very competitive anymore to, to a certain extent. And I used to be viciously ambitious. <laughs> Well, there's a difference, again, between ambition and competitiveness, right? Because we're all a little ambitious in our way. You have to set a goal and go for it. But it doesn't mean you're competing against other people. True. I was viciously competitive. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm less of both. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I aspire think it's... to very little crossrails. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire to one day get my thoroughbred off property. <laughs> well, I, I did it last year. I'll do it again. Um, you know, little things. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, it's important to do things outside of our comfort zone. I mean, my you got to know the horse you're with. I think that's hugely important. You're part mm -hmm. of a team. Um, I have one horse that I would I, – I, he can do anything and I laugh in the face of danger, right? But I have another horse that I would never put in that position. So I think it's important that you had your two boys and you got to do that. Now, how long did it take you? Uh, 100, the Pony Express? 142 nights. Wow. 
So that's five months. So that was long enough wow. for sure. Did you have a play? If, did you have a yeah. favorite, um, a favorite like uh, state or area that you stopped? Um, you know, I'll tell you, Eastern Nevada was beautiful. 2019 is when I did the ride, and the West received a really good amount of rainfall that summer. So there was ample grass for the horses in a lot of places, in some places, no grass. But when I got to Eastern Wyoming, I thought it was, or Eastern Nevada, Eastern Nevada, north of the town of Ely, Ely. beautiful, beautiful country, a lot of grass, um, a lot of wild horses, which was kind of difficult, but I thought it was beautiful and very wild. And I loved it. And but I, I thought I thought there were so many beautiful places. I mean, the grasslands of Wyoming, South Pass in Wyoming was absolutely beautiful, you know. Yeah, the West is absolutely insane. I went in 2021 and saw a corner of it driving. I drove from Florida through up to up to Missouri and then West to Colorado and then drove down to Albuquerque and just, I found out something about myself, which is that I'm really into rocks. Didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> when, when I got into those canyons, I just lost my mind. I was like, look at the rocks. And then we drive past some more. Look at those rocks. Those rocks are red. <laughs> I just lost it. Um, so a big Your piece of me nerd. wanted to stay. <laughs> I just, yeah. what can I say? I'm an earth sciences nerd, okay? It means a lot to me. <laughs> So the the um, so I can't Nevada immersing was, like that. I mean, Nevada, the geology was absolutely stunning. You know, those mountain ranges, it looked like Mars, you know? It's like riding over the surface of Mars. Right. Yeah. Beautiful, though. What yeah, an amazing envious. experience. Envious of that. And, and, and in some ways to kind of almost step back in time and – Remember, I mean these these Pony Express riders used to do this regularly. <laughs> yeah, so I finished, and I was like, the Pony Express is way more impressive than anything we basically can wrap our head around. I mean, running those horses fifteen or twenty miles between stations through all that country mm -hmm. that's still empty today you know, very remote mm. and to do it at night, you know, in the winter, I just didn't know how they did it. And you can look at the yeah, records. And, and it was different then too. Like they had, you know, Native American tribes and Buffalo everywhere. And I mean, imagine yeah. the risks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Very dangerous job. <laughs> very dangerous job. I think you did a really nice job describing a lot of that in the book, not just about the history and the incredible like lonesomeness and risk of that job, but I really appreciated uh, the historical like record about Buffalo and um, railroads and things like that. I was super into it. I was reading parts out loud to my husband. He was ignoring me. So it was really good. We spent <laughs> some quality time together reading our books. Uh, <laughs> uh, marriage. I, I got really excited. Like I was reading about the Great Basin or something. I got really excited and started reading it out loud. Oh, and parts about how the grass grows. Yeah, I needed to. 
<laughs> and the meridian where the gra- where the range of fall changes. I had yeah. to stop and um, sort of document that for myself when I drove west. I was like, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ninety eighth meridian. So I would meridian. just love all of it. And mm-hmm. yeah. I learned so much, you know, uh, with your little little tidbits in there. I appreciated that. <laughs> so. Um, and I guess the most impressive part that we should talk about, honestly, is you did do some significant planning to cross the desert. And uh, crossing the desert as a Pony Express rider must have been just like, talk about a life or death situation where they knew <laughs> nothing can go wrong. I have to gallop across the desert now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just... Um, yeah, the, I, I really appreciate the way you were able to plan ahead for like getting your horses across a desert. It's extraordinary. Um, oh, right. You're talking about like hiring that young boy, the 17-year-old kid, to drop hay and water. Yeah. Yeah. Off, <laughs> yeah. Off of, I was we used our cell phone images, <laughs> and I was like, put the hay, it, it was 90-pound bale of hay of grass-alfalfa mix, like a three-strand bale. Mm-hmm. and then 90 gallons of water. And they would drink almost wow. all that water, but he had to put it in the exact spot for me to find it. And I paid him $500 to do yeah. it. <laughs> and so you're out there a, just finding somebody to to out there in general, but also please drive across the desert and make, make these GPS locations for me <laughs> and unload all this hay and water. But this is an example of where if you start asking the horse network or like the ranching network, Mm. say like, hey, I need somebody to do this. Do you know of anybody who might be up and capable of handling this? And they'll say like, well, my neighbor's got a, you know, a kid who just graduated high school or people will help you, you know, and if they don't know. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you one thing when you're traveling with horses and, and in a network is you can always call a large animal vet and say, do you have anybody there who can help me with whatever X problem is, you know, like there must be some vet techs there that Mm -hmm. are horsey people that can help me. And I'm looking for a place to stay here or whatever, you know. Oh, I guess I really like help in our network. Mm. I think that's a great idea. Like you got to ask for help and be okay asking for help. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Huge part of travel with horses. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm not afraid, but like I, I'm getting my trailer checked because I don't drive it more than 45 minutes because, you know, I, I'm, well, frankly, my horses are not in the place to be riding anywhere outside of 45 minutes, <laughs> but uh, I, the preparation to get getting me to get that maintained and get that checked and everything like that. I mean, you had so much to, to maintain while on your trip and you're out in the elements and you got to keep track of everything. And were you able to replenish your stores as you stopped, you know, at different places like Walmart? <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> like Walmart. And I would buy, I would carry eight days of food and then I carried two extra dehydrated backpacker meals as like emergency rations. 
And uh, so I definitely, so I would get somewhere and I'd be like, so do you think you could give me a ride into town really quickly or, you know, get, get a ride to a grocery store? Yeah. Yeah. So I got to ask, you know, let's tell everybody, like, what did you, what prompted you to do these things, to, to go on these adventures Um, is this just something that you've always dreamed of doing or do you like to challenge yourself? Like what's, what's the goal? (laughs) The short answer is I like to do fun things with horses. (laughs) Awesome. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. I think, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I really, um, get I have much more fun with any experience if there are horses involved (laughs) so Mm. yes so traveling or whatever you know trying to make a career in journalism or finding ways to better uh, understand my own identity or all of these things are better done with horses That's awesome. I couldn't yeah. agree more. I think that's very relatable. And I yeah, really, that's why we're <clears throat> you know, I really want to, um, I do, you know, like to challenge myself, but in, in a really predictable and conservative way. You know, I played this game in Kyrgyzstan with a dead goat. Have you guys ever heard of that game? It's called Coke Baru. <laughs> And you throw this dead Yeah, goat. Ivo Marlowe told me about it. Yeah. So Ivo, he pro- he knows about it as Buzkashi from Afghanistan. And I played it at the World Nomad Games okay. in 2018 in Kyrgyzstan. And that scared me wow. for sure. <laughs> and I played it last year. <laughs> That's in, a little scary. Yeah, it's super scary. If you Google it, it's like the scariest game on horses ever. But you can't beat the feeling afterward, you know, when it's all over and you have something that no one can take away from you, you know? And that feeling is what I probably enjoy the most. (laughs) I love being there with the horses, Mm -hmm. but the sense of accomplishment is like um, nobody can touch that, you know? Yeah. And yeah, you got to have fun with it, right? Like it's got to be fun. Got to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. So Pony Express Trail was like five months of good, clean fun for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I've definitely spent a lot of time in the Pony Express station um, near my dad's home. And I was obsessed with the Pony Express TV show when I was a kid because I had a crush on them. and yeah. I just think it's super cool that people are still able to ride the trail today. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Was that Hollenberg Pony Express station? It was. Yep. Yeah, still is. So I was there last year, actually. I go out all the time. My dad grew up in Hanover right across the street. <laughs> absolutely. I camped in the front yard for two nights at Hollenberg Pony Express station. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I'll i have to post. You'll have to send us a photo. Any photos you have, we'll post it on our clubhouse. And uh, I still go there every time and just visit. I grew up going there. I think you should camp there, Heather. I would. 
I would camp there because my grandma's house is like a mile down the road. So if I get in trouble, I know I can call my cousins. (laughs) There's a nice farm across the street, too. So there's plenty of horses to look at. (laughs) Wow. That's great. Well, I'm thinking about the next. uh, I'm thinking about the next project I want to do. And I want to ride the Silk Road in Central Asia. Really? You're going to you're going to go back out there and do the Silk Road this time? I want to ride That's from cool. the from the Aral Sea, which is in Uzbekistan to China. Because this is where horses were domesticated and there's a really strong horse culture over there. Wow. That'll be amazing. Yeah. That so what kind of a distance are we talking about if you compared that with this ride? That was five months. So Claire, my partner is like, You can't be gone for five months again. We're not doing that ever again. <laughs> so I was like, Well, Have four and a half you. months, you know. <laughs> you know, four mm. and a half months mm. on the Silk Road yeah. is like pretty good. <laughs> So it would be like, I don't know, I would move faster. <laughs> I don't know. I have to figure this out, but I want to yeah. do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It would probably be a little bit of a mix between, you know, the faster paces and then the slower paces, a little bit more of an, an endurance type ride. Right. Just hard to know. Hard to know until I start doing the research. <laughs> Oh, well, that'll be so interesting. I'll be very excited to kind of follow along. And, uh, you know, you got to make sure you got to you got to have your GoPro with you so we can all see it. Yeah. Yeah. GoPros are kind of a pain in the neck for me to use. Mm-hmm. They really are the batteries. Well, you got to do it for you got to do you, it for the fans, iPhone man. iPhone photos. You know, That's what I used to have my <laughs> iPhone more in Mongolia than I my Nikon. So. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Always easier, easier yeah. to carry. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't this a danger of uh, getting out of your comfort zone? Is that you always want to go a little further, and now you want to trek across Asia on horseback? What's next, man? Mars? Yeah, where like, does where it is stop? this going to stop? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Claire. <laughs> so where is this going to stop? You now know, he wants th- to ride under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, after Such Central Asia. <laughs> That will be like, um, nobody's getting any younger, right? And I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but (laughs) like, uh, that will be like my last big trip, you know, like that will be, okay. and then we can find other things to write about, you know, the stuff closer to home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. South America's waiting. Patagonia. I'm just, you know. (laughs) I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing places you could still ride and horse cultures and things like that. I have a few friends that I met through Mongolia that are riding out in South America coming up this year. And there's a couple of rides out there, actually. So um, you never know, but you're always good to leave your options open. That's right. <laughs> That's what I try to do. Well, Will, you'll have to tell us um, and all of our listeners where they can find you so they can follow along on your adventures. Mm -hmm. 
You can find me on Instagram at Will Grant of the West. That's quite a title. I like that. It's catchy. I like that. <laughs> yeah. A little bit I'll of like a, a 30s Disney hero there. With, like you well, you know, music. his horses are going to have their own Disney movie. So. I know. We got to make this happen. So <laughs> we got to go. Claire, we got to go visit. Ju- I want to meet Chicken Fry. Claire <laughs> just started an Instagram account for Chicken Fry and Badger. And that's at Chicken Fry underscore and underscore Badger. So you can see because Claire oh, is now both those. Yeah, Claire is now jumping very small jumps and cross rails on Badger, and it's fun for both of them. Oh, Claire, Claire sounds like my kind of girl. I'll be honest. I oh, like Claire already. There's a dog named Danny. <laughs> <laughs> And Jax. Oh, this is a great account. Chicken Fry and Badger. Look it up, guys. <laughs> and Will Grant of the West. We and don't Will want to Grant forget yes. Will. <laughs> Thanks well, so much for coming and, and chatting with us about your adventures. No, thank you for having me. So good to talk to you both. This is fun conversation for me, for sure. For bonus pitch time with Heather and Natalie. All you have to do is visit patreon.com slash adulting with horses podcast. We try to make it easy by making everything as long as possible. (laughs) And it'll ask you for $5 a month. And that is going to cover all of our extra time that we spend coming up with really bitchy answers for you.